That is exactly what we're going to do this morning. We're going to rethink church. I've worn soft contact lenses for years. My morning routine has been the same for decades. I get up in the morning, I stick plastic into my eyes, I blink hard all day long trying to keep the dust and stuff that collects off of the, on them off of there, and, uh, and then squeeze them out at night, put them back in the solution, and do the same thing the next day. I've cleaned them, moved them, blinked them, lost them, found them. I've done pretty much everything when it comes to soft contact lenses, and I did it all in the name of just wanting clear vision. I just wanted to be able to see well. A couple of months back, uh, my prescription ran out, so I went to visit my friendly neighborhood eye doctor, Dr. Green. He checked my vision, and then he asked me a question that surprised me. He said, Grant, how would you feel about wearing contacts at night while you're sleeping, then pop them out in the morning and have perfect vision all day long? He said, I didn't even know that was a possibility. I'd never heard of corneal refractive therapy before in my life. I didn't even know it was an option. Suddenly, there was a new option. So now... Every night before I go to bed, I stick these little cat green contact lenses in, close my eyes, I go to sleep, I wake up in the morning, I pop those contacts out and I can see perfectly. That clock at the back says 1028. I can see every face clearly in the back row. Hi church, good to see you, all right? I didn't even know there was an option. Before I could embrace a new approach on vision, I needed to, to rethink my old approach to vision. And that's exactly what it is we're going to do today. My favorite definition of vision comes from a man by the name of Bill Hybels. It says this, vision is a picture of the future that produces passion. The Bible has a ton to say about vision. In the book of Proverbs, the author makes a bold statement that lays out a call to completely rethinking vision. Proverbs 29, 18 says this, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. Some of you grew up with an older translation of that scripture. It's even a little bit more bold than this one. It basically says this, where there is no vision, people perish. When godly vision disappears, people actually die. When people stop looking to the future and dreaming of what God can do, hope disappears. And when hope is gone, it's replaced with this despair. And when despair takes over, if it's left unchecked, it can actually kill. I did some study into the biblical word unrestrained, and my journey took me to a very cool spot in Scripture. Only Jesus can plan this stuff out the way that he does. You see, there was a time in Scripture when a group of godly people lost a godly vision. And in losing a godly vision, they became ungodly people. Because they lost a vision for their future, they became unrestrained. Let me just set the stage for you. Moses has gone up on the top of a mountain taking dictation from God. Aaron, his sidekick, is down in the valley with a group of people, and they're not making good decisions at all. Moses is up on the top of the mountain, and the dictation he's taking was what? The Ten Commandments. Ah. We just finished 10 weeks in the Ten Commandments. And when Moses comes down with the Ten Commandments, he finds that the people have created a golden cow, and they're worshiping it. And Moses is ticked. He's angry. He's frustrated. And in that story, it shows us what happens when people have no vision. Exodus 32, 25 says this, Moses saw that the people were running wild and that Aaron had let them get out of control and so become a laughingstock to their enemies. You know what happens when you lose a vision for your life? You end up dancing around a golden cow in your underwear. That's what happens. 
You end up worshiping false gods. You try to get answers from a cow instead of trying to get them from God. You ditch God's law, you end up creating your own law. You follow your own path. And even though your path seems so right to you, scripture says it always ends in one place. Death. That's why vision is a very, very big deal. People need vision. It's essential to our lives. We need to know that we're a part of something bigger than just our existence. We need to know that we can actually leave a mark on this place called earth. We need to know that God has a purpose and a plan in our lives and that instead of just being this innocent bystander, we actually get to participate in that plan, knowing that our lives matter. That's what brings us hope and protects us from despair. And next week, we're actually going to talk about what it means to have a personal vision, a godly vision for your own life. But this week, we're going to talk about this crazy place first. We're going to talk about the mission and vision that God has given this church, a church that was named after Christ, its king. This is going to be a review for a lot of you. For some of you, it's going to be brand new. You've never actually heard this before. I think it's so unbelievably clear that as we begin to walk into the ministry season this fall, that you know exactly what this place is all about. Because if you don't know what it's all about, it's only a matter of time till you become unrestrained and it's not gonna work. This is the CTK mission. It goes like this. It's to create an authentic Christian community that effectively reaches out to unchurched people in love, acceptance, and forgiveness so that they may experience the joy of salvation and a purposeful life of discipleship. Let me point out just a couple things about our mission. Notice it says we're creating an authentic Christian community. We haven't created one. We're not done. We're not even remotely close to being finished. We're in the process of doing it. You'll hear us say often at Christ the King, we're building this bike while we're riding it. That's how it works around here. We're creating that together. It's a work in progress. Now I want you to notice our target is spiritually restless, unchurched people, and our ultimate goal is that they meet Jesus. We love our mission because it lines up with the mission of Jesus. If you don't know what the mission of Jesus was, he told it to us in the book of Luke. He said, the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. We're about lost People. We want them to know Jesus, grow in Jesus, live for Jesus. We, we don't even try to hide our agenda around here. We're trying to take spiritually restless people and allow them to become complete, total, unadulterated Jesus freaks. That's what we're looking for. Now, I want you to understand something. That means we're going to have to do some things. That means we're going to have to talk in a way that they understand. That means we're going to have to worship in a way that they can actually understand and participate in. That means we're going to have to make a decision today. And the decision is this, that we're going to put aside our personal likes and dislikes for the sake of somebody else's eternal need. That means that's what's going to motivate us. That means it's okay for you to come here some weekends and go, you know what, the music just didn't work for me at all this week. That's okay. Maybe it wasn't for you. Maybe it was for the person sitting to your left. Maybe it was for the family behind you. That means it's totally okay. You could walk out of here one weekend, man. I don't know what Grant was on this morning. It was just weird. That didn't work for me at all. That message was not for me. That means it's okay because maybe it wasn't for you. Maybe it was for the guy in the third row that just lost his marriage. Maybe it was for the family that just found out that their dad has cancer. 
In fact, I've got a goal. I've got a vision of our church. My vision is to, is to completely remove people who walk out of here on a weekly basis and go, I didn't like church at all. You know what I want to replace that with? I want to replace it with, if you don't like it, that you walk into the parking lot and you throw your hands in the air and go, praise God, it wasn't for me this weekend. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Because if we get there, it means it's not about us. That it's not always for us then maybe it's for the sake of somebody else's eternal soul. Our vision is very clear. We use this statement. We are mobilizing real people who serve the real God in the real world. If you need big fancy words to, to, to make you think that we're actually smarter than we are, I'm going to throw a whole bunch of big fancy words at you. We've decided to do church with real people, okay? That's our ecclesiology. If you need big words, there you go. You got one, okay? our ecclesiology. We've chosen to do church with regular, ordinary people just like us, hurting, broken, lost. That's just the way we're going to go about doing it. At Christ the King, make no mistake, we serve the real God. That's our Christology. We don't believe all roads lead to God. We believe in the God of the Bible as the only way to heaven. We see Jesus as the end all, the be all, the middle of the all, the overall, the under all. I mean, he's just all for us at Christ the King. And our vision is to see real people who are followers of the one true God reaching out to the real world. That's our missiology. That's the reason why we're going to Ferndale. That's the reason why we're already dreaming about where God might take us next. That's the reason that compels us to say a very simple message to our world that Jesus saves. That's it. Several years ago, God gave me a picture of what I believe Christ the King has been called to care about. In a nutshell, this is what we value at CTK. I actually came up with this thing like two, three years ago. Maybe it's even been longer than that. And every time I try to walk away from it and come up with something new, God basically just taps me in the chest and says, you never actually did what I asked you to do with it in the first place, so let's come on back to this again. So here we go one more time. When it comes to our values, the F stands for family. Christ the King is committed to making Jesus the focal point of every family. I don't care if you're a family of one, a family of four, a family of 44. I don't care if you're a mom, a dad, or a child. I don't care if you're single, married, doesn't matter to me whatsoever. You need to know that a part of our mission and our vision is for you to have Jesus as the centerpiece of your life. The O stands for outreach. Christ the King is committed to fearlessly sharing the message of Jesus with our community. In a world where, where people desperately need to hear a message of grace and forgiveness, we're going to speak boldly about the whole counsel of God, and we're going to speak it to a community that Jesus loves. The R stands for recovery. Christ the King is committed to helping people find complete spiritual wholeness in Jesus. You'll hear us use this little phrase often, it's okay to not be okay here. In fact, I'm going to tell you something. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay not okay. We want you to grow. We want you to hear the transforming message of Jesus Christ because of Christ the King. We believe that we serve a God that can redeem, restore, and repair the most broken life. I love how people show up here because normally when they walk in, the first thing they do is give us a list of all of the things that they've done wrong so that somehow think, they think that somehow that's going to disqualify them and then they don't get to be a part of the family. And we completely freak them out when they get to the bottom of their list and we go, that's it? 
Really? Wow. Wow. You can fit right in. You're broken, hurt, and wounded? Okay, welcome. Good to have you. We've got a row, front section. Grab the coffee. We're glad you're here because that's who we are. Sinners saved by grace. Redemption stories in process. In fact, I'll just put it to you this way. You can try and disqualify yourself from the love of God in our church all you want to. It can't be done. Because if Jesus loves you, we love you too. The G stands for groups. Christ the King is committed to every person living out the mission of Jesus in a small group. I say this all the time around here, it seems like. You can't experience true Christian community staring at the back of somebody else's head for an hour a week. You can't do it. You just can't. We want you to get into a group, a smaller group, where someone can actually know your name, where somebody can pray for you, where you have an opportunity to be ministered to and actually minister to other people. We want you to find a place where you can be transparent and authentic and where you can actually experience what we call the one another's. Love one another, pray for one another, admonish one another. We want you to find that place where somebody knows your name. The E stands for engaging. Christ the King is committed to engaging every believer in strategic service for Jesus. We want you to experience the joy of serving. We want you to understand something about Christ the King, okay? So just so we're clear, I am not the minister of Christ the King. My name's Grant. I'm a, just a guy. I'm looking at the ministers of Christ the King Community Church right now. Don't flip that lens around on me. This does not rise and fall on my effort. God forbid that ever happen. You're the ministers. It's your job. It's your calling. And I'm inviting you to come and be a part of this incredible vision that God's given us. That means something. That means some of you have gifts and you're not using them. I want to encourage you to use them. I want to encourage you to step across the line. It takes 1,200 volunteers a week to make this place go. We need volunteers to work with kids. I mean, I'm just living in fear because last October a year, when we were already full, we had to turn children away from our kids' areas. We had to say to families, we don't have enough room for your children. That's wrong. That's wrong. Come on, 10 o'clock. That's wrong. That can't happen on our watch. I mean, if we, the people that love Jesus, we should be the ones that want to tell the kids about Jesus. We need people to help with coffee. We need people on the tech team. We need people to stand at the door and smile at people as they're walking in. Do you know why greeters are so important? It's because most people that don't understand church, they walk in here and they're a little freaked out. It's like, what in the world are they going to do? Is this going to be weird? And we put smiling people at the doors to kind of make them feel a little better because it's just like, hey, how you doing? My name's Jeff. Coffee's over there. It's free. We'll see you inside. It's all good, man. It's a spiritual gift. It's called hospitality. And every one of us has a call on their life. So this is how it works around here. If you sit at one, we would ask you to prayerfully consider whether or not you'll serve at one too. I mean, you get to come and sit. It would be cool if you got to bless somebody else and their opportunity to do that too. Amen? Amen? Amen. There we go. The D stands for discipleship. Christ the King is committed to producing fully devoted, purposeful followers of Jesus. We want every person to know that worship, prayer, biblical literacy, and service are the cornerstones of a fully devoted life. We want you to love your Bible. We want you to pray to God. We want God to speak to you. 
We want you to understand that worship is not 24 minutes with a big Texan and a guitar. That's a beautiful thing, but that's not worship. Did you see the picture in the video of the Little League baseball coach? Did you know that can be worship if that heart of the person is to share Jesus? I think we need to rethink that. If you look at our values, they spell out a word, and the word is forged. I believe that Christ the King, or that Christ Jesus Himself, has forged Christ the King in fires of challenge and crisis moments. If you think we just kind of showed up here one day and this is what it looked like, then you need to hear our story. We've been beat up, bruised. We've been days away from not even existing. We've had crisis moments here where nobody knew what end was up, and we only had one option, and that was to fall on our faces before God and beg that He would not take His hand. We were in those moments. We have been pounded, beat up, crushed, but not destroyed because we serve a very strong God. He's reshaped us, heated us, sharpened us, and now I believe He's called us to a very specific mission. Isaiah 54 says this, See, it is I who created the blacksmith who fans the coals into flame and forges a weapon fit for its work. It is I who've created the destroyer to work havoc. No weapon forged against you will prevail and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is their vindication from me. If you've ever walked into a blacksmith shop, in the center of it, there's a place where the fire is cradled. That's the forge. In the fire of the forge, the iron gets heated red hot so that it can be pounded and shaped so that it can become a weapon or a tool in the hand of its owner. I believe that God has shaped us, pounded us, sharpened us so that we can be ready in this moment to reach families, to reach our community, to heal the brokenhearted, to provide biblical community to the lonely, to do the work of the ministry and to follow Jesus passionately. I believe that is our high calling in Jesus' name. I don't know about you, that's what gets me up in the morning, that's what puts me to bed at night. It's that thought that someday the people of Christ the King will stagger across the finish line of heaven and hear the words from our Savior, well done. You did it. You did everything I asked you to do. The Apostle Paul described his passion for the church in Colossians 1. I believe he embodies the passion of this church as well. Here's our CTK passion from Colossians 1. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all of his energy which so powerfully works in me. I believe that just like Paul, we've been called to some very specific actions. I listed them out in your program. I hope you just write them down and take them with you. Firstly, that we will proclaim boldly. That means we're going to share the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us, God. That means we're not going to retreat, that we will have no fear, that we're not going to water down the gospel, that we're not going to make it easy and simple that we're instead going to step into the truth and we're going to do the hard work of understanding what God has called us to do. And I'm going to tell you something. By standing firmly on God's standards, we're not going to be very popular. But I'm going to tell you something about God's standards. They're God's standards. They don't move. 
They don't shift. They don't quiver in a world where everything is shifting and moving. The foundation of our faith does not move, and that deserves to be talked about. And we're going to talk about it boldly when we like it and when we don't. Secondly, we're going to admonish truthfully. As soon as we hear that word admonish truthfully, some of us get a picture of a guy with a bullhorn yelling at people in public places, telling them just how busted they really are. We kind of flip that around around here because the truth is before we go and admonish anybody else, we want to give the Holy Spirit the opportunity to admonish us. We pray every week that the Holy Word of God would cut us to the core, that it would cut out all of the stuff that just needs to go so that we can live out this life that God has called us to. It means we're going to tell the truth to ourselves before we tell the truth to anybody else. Here's the next one. We've been called to teach passionately. Let me tell you my conviction on teaching passionately. I believe that it is a sin to bore people with the message of Jesus Christ. I'm just not interested in boring anybody. I mean, I'm going to tell you something in the weeks to come. It won't surprise some of you. Some of you are going to like, what in the world is going to go on? I am planning on being fired up all fall long. I'm going to shout. I'm going to yell. I'm going to talk. My goal is to lose my voice after the 1130 service every single week. And I'm going to tell you something else. You need to know this because if you don't know it, you're probably going to end up disappointed at some level or a little bit confused. I'm going to cry a lot. I asked God years ago to take away my waterworks. He said, absolutely not. So there are going to be moments when my emotion is just going to come and completely and totally overwhelm me. And if that doesn't work for you, deal with it. It's the way I am, okay? That's a part of the passion that's inside of every single one of us. And I'm going to tell you what we're going to talk about. We're not going to talk about what we've done for God. We're going to brag about what Jesus did for us because it's the only thing worth talking about. Next, we're going to present joyfully. We're going to tell you the stories of addicts getting cleaned in Jesus' name. We're going, to, we're, we're going to have moments where we're going to talk about marriages being restored in Jesus' name. We're going to talk out loud when Jesus talk, touches someone's physical body and they get healed. And doctors don't know why. We want to share real stories about real people who've been transformed by a transforming God. Here's the next one. We're going to labor intensely. We're going to work hard. This is going to be a high challenge environment. We're going to constantly challenge you to step up and step out. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't want to bounce like Tigger across the finish line into heaven. I want to stagger exhausted, spent, having left it all behind because I believe Jesus is worth that kind of effort and passion. And here's the last one. We're going to struggle profitably. We're going to struggle together, which means we're going to fall down and we're going to get back up again. We're not going to be afraid to fail. We're, we're actually going to try. We're going to struggle like Paul with all of this work that God is doing inside of us. Let me tell you that it's okay to struggle with that. I'm going to tell you what we're not going to struggle against. We are not struggling against other churches. Let me just crawl up on this little soapbox here for a second. I like this soapbox. We don't have 
a lot of rules of Christ the King, but we've got this rule. We don't talk smack about other churches at Christ the King Community Church. We don't do that because they're not the competition. It drives me nuts. People stop me at Walmart. Hey, Pastor Grant, we go to the competition. I always freak them out. I go, you go to the devil's church? Other churches are not competition. They're family. Do we understand that? They're family. And some of you go, well, yeah, I know, but I just don't agree with what they're doing. Guess what? They don't agree with you either, okay? It's kind of, you know, goes back and forth that. We don't talk smack. I mean, it just drives me crazy when I hear people talking smack about churches because do you know what you're doing when you do that? You're talking smack about God's girlfriend, She's the bride of Christ. Don't do that. That's dangerous. I'm just a small, about 170-pound Canadian guy. I'm not that big and I'm not that scary. But I'll tell you what. You want to unleash something you don't want to unleash? You can talk smack about me all you want to. You talk smack about my wife? I will go Canadian hockey on your backside. (laughs) I will hurt you. God's no different. This is the bride of Christ all across, and we don't talk bad about the bride. Now, let's just be honest. Sometimes the bride doesn't act very bridal, right? Sometimes the bridal does stuff that's just... She's still God's bride. I love the local church. I love it when we get it right and when we get it wrong. I love the fact that we're God's plan A and that there is no plan B, my friends. That's humbling and scary. That's vision. Laurel and I got to go on a cruise a little while back. It was a blessed experience. We had a great time. I noticed something about most of the people on a cruise ship. I noticed that they did nothing, just laid around. I noticed they ate everything. And I noticed they spent a lot of time complaining about the freebies. The line at the purser's desk every day. I don't like this and I don't like that. Wah, wah, wah. You're on a boat with an ice skating rink. Find some joy, seriously. One morning, our boat was pulling into a little tiny sea village in Mexico. And I was up walking on the deck, and, and I noticed that there was a group of people standing around the stern at the back of the boat. They were laughing. All of them were laughing together. And they were talking back and forth. And I thought, well, something must be funny, so I'm going to go and check it out. So I walked over, and, and I stood at the, at the back of the boat, and, and I noticed what they were laughing at. Down in the water off the stern of the boat was this little... Mexican military boat. That was the worst excuse for a boat I've ever seen. There was more rust than there was paint. There were five guys standing on the deck of that boat. Not one of them had a gun like anybody else. They were all carrying weapons. They looked like they were wearing life-saving vests from the 1930s. All of their uniforms were different. And the people on the big bad boat were laughing at those five soldiers who had just finished escorting us safely 
into harbor. I was standing there and I wasn't really thinking a whole lot about what was going on until God started talking to me. I was standing beside a crew member. I could tell by his white uniform that he was actually one of the guys in charge of our ship. If you've been on one of these cruises before, you know the little name tags they have. They have their name and then what country they're from. He was from the country we had just arrived in. And I could tell he was very bothered by the response of the people on the big boat towards the five guys who were on a mission in the small one. We started talking, and God used him to say some things to me about our church. He said, you know what's amazing about these guys? He goes, they're always here when we arrive. They're always waiting for us at the mouth of the harbor, and they always make sure that we get safely in to our place of anchor. And he goes, they won't leave all day long. They're going to go around and around this boat, patrolling for our safety all day long until we're done with whatever it is that we're doing here, and then they're going to escort us out of the harbor as we go off on whatever it is that we're going to next. He said, I've heard some things about the guys on that boat. He goes, I've heard that they have to buy their own ammunition. He said, I've heard that they have to buy their own uniforms. He goes, you know what? They may not look like much, but they're on a mission. And in that moment, God sent a message to me that I think we all need to hear. Christ the King Community Church is not and will never be a cruise ship. Ever. I'd rather not be a cruise ship. I'd rather be one of those five faithful people who, if needed, buys their own bullets to protect people who don't even know where they're going. I like to buy my own uniform because, my friends, make no mistake, Christ the King is a rusted out, beat up, fragile little group of sinners saved by grace who've been called on a mission to escort every single person in Whatcom County to the throne room of God. And just so you know, just so you know, this is how much we care about this. We're not done until 193,000 people in Whatcom County know Jesus. And when 193,000 people know Jesus, we're going to take a five-minute break, and then we're going to go get Canada. That's how it's going to work. We have a huge vision. And some of you I know, you sit back and go, whatever. Whatever. That can't happen. Revival's not going to happen here. We're too small. We, we can't reach out to that many people. We're just a little teeny boat, Grant. We can't possibly reach a cruise ship. You know what? Alone we can't. But with the God of this promise and this verse, we can. Because Scripture says in Ephesians 3 that God has a promise for Christ the King, and it goes like this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, 
according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the where? The church. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and a little bit more. Amen. So, What if instead of just staring at the Ten Commandments for the whole summer, what if we actually lived them? What if we rested and didn't steal? What if we were committed and didn't walk? What if we had no other gods before our God? What if we had faith the size of a mustard seed to believe? that the most glorious days of our church were not behind us, but were still in front of us? What if the vision to reach lost people was so compelling that we actually walked to the connection point after this morning's service and said, I don't know where you need a volunteer, but I'm a body and I've got a pulse. Put me wherever you need me. What if this afternoon at 1 o'clock, instead of going home and watching the Seahawks, Instead of running outside to the sun, what if you came to the ownership class and you actually heard our story? Somebody told me, are you nuts? It's a beautiful day. You're competing with the Seahawks. You know what? We just put like a, a media-free bubble around it. Nobody can tell us what the score is, and we all go home and do the DVR thing, okay? So you know what? I'm just going to delay it about three hours. What if this was so important that we actually considered becoming a part of this family, serving and doing what it is that God's called us to do in making this vision a reality. What if this is not just a dream? What if it's God's plan for us? What if we could see a whole county come to Jesus. That's vision. Would you pray with me as we close? God, thank you for this morning and the dream of what could happen if we had enough faith to believe. God, I believe many here do believe, but would you help us with our unbelief? God, if you've called us to be a small, ragtag, rusted-out group of people who buy their own bullets but are faithful, then, God, would you send us out on that mission? God, would you allow us to be a safe harbor? And more than just waiting for people to come here, God, would you give us the courage to step out and speak the name of Jesus in the real world out there God, we need your help and your hope. But I thank you that you are a God who does exceedingly, abundantly above all we could ask or imagine. So to you, we ask this day that you would find glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever and ever. Amen.